You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. We are in almost halfway through the New Testament book called James, where the theme of this series is a faith that works. How do you take your faith and put it to work in the normal daily stuff of life? And today's sub-theme is about taming the tongue. Now, I know this isn't about you people, because you all are emotionally healthy, filled with the Spirit. You never are frustrated, agitated, or angry. But just think about other people that might not be so good at holding their tongue. They're like, you know what? I've just got to get this off my chest. I, <laughs> I got to let them know what I'm thinking. I need to return fire. How does faith work in those moments? So what we're really talking about as we jump into James 3 is what to do with the things that the Lord has given us. God gives us money. What are we supposed to do with it? How does God want us to use it? God gives us time. How does God want to use it? God gives us resources and and relationships. How are we supposed to use them? In the same way, God gives you words. How are you using them? How am I using them? For good and not for evil. Now, we're not just talking about the words that we use verbally. Every one of us has this little device. You can even make calls on it. Who knew? <laughs> An email. You can post and do email and comment and tag. And it goes on. You think of all the words that you send out. How many of them are really coming from the heart of God and communicating the heart of God? James told us earlier, this is chapter one. I'm going to remind you of those two verses. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So he's going to take that theme from chapter one and move it into chapter three. So when someone is on your last nerve, you're tired, you're frustrated, you're angry, you're annoyed, you're discouraged, you are fearful or anxious. The words that you speak, do they bring life or death? Do they hurt or help the cause of Christ. And what he's going to do, he's going to jump right in. And the first thing he's going to tell us is that your tongue wants to be your master. Here it is. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So we want to talk about teachers and judgment because I'll be honest with you. As we get into this sermon, you're probably going to find some points of contention in your own life. It'll be 
words of conviction, perhaps, that the Holy Spirit is going to remind you of some things you've said that you shouldn't have said. But I want to start by saying this, first and foremost, this is a convicting passage for me. When we read, hey, watch what you say, watch your mouth, because if you're a teacher, you're going to be judged more strictly. That's concerning because I teach a lot. And as a teacher, you are judged more strictly because when you are teaching, you are having a greater audience and the ability to lead or to lead astray. And so the people that you are impacting, you've got to be more accountable then to God. And just so you know, there are two kinds of teachers. There are those who are imperfect and they know it and they own it and they're working on it. And then there are those who are imperfect and they don't know it or aren't working on it. And and let me just say this. We are all teachers. I mean, in, in, obviously, I, I teach for a living, but there are other ways that we teach, right? In what roles are you teachers? How many of you are parents? How many of you have learned that parenting is teaching? And sometimes when your kid says what you say, it's bad teaching. Have you ever been driving down the road in heavy traffic And you hear a little voice in the back seat talk about the other drivers. When you have a child, you suddenly realize they're going to hear what you say. And eventually, they're going to echo what you say. You're teaching whether you realize it or not. What are some other ways that you have a role as a teacher? Maybe in your job. Maybe you own a company. Maybe you're in management. You're training employees. Some of you are literally teachers preschool, elementary, high school, college. Some of you are coaches for sports. Some of you are leaders in church and ministry. It's amazing that we not only have teachers, but we have many who consider us in roles as teachers. So for all of us, the question is, how does this relate to judgment? Because he's talking about teachers being judged more strictly Now, remember, James is the little brother of Jesus. And I'm thinking that he has heard and is probably echoing right now the words of his big brother who said this in Matthew 12. Jesus said, but I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word. Another translation may say careless, every empty or careless word that you have spoken For by your words, you will be acquitted, and by your words, you will be condemned. Now, for those of us who are Christians, Jesus has already been judged in our place. But what Jesus is still saying is that your words matter because they can bring life or they can bring death. So evaluate your own life and ask yourself, are these things that I'm saying helpful and truthful? Are they building people up or are they tearing people down? Are the words that I'm communicating pulling hell up or are they inviting heaven down? For 
Some of you, I would, I would encourage you to scroll through your texts, check your emails, go through your social media and ask, is this what the Lord would have me communicate? Because the truth is, we are all communicating something. And let's just be honest. We live in a broken, flawed, fallen, head-on collision kind of world where it seems like everyone is yelling at everyone else. No one is really uh, ministering to anyone. No one's really listening to anyone. And our ultimate goal is supposed to be progress. And what he say? We, we stumble in many ways, he says. In other words, no one's perfect. So we're not demanding that you be perfect. We're just encouraging that you would pursue progress. Not perfection, but progress until one day you enter the eternal kingdom, which is perfection. So now James is going to talk about the tongue and he's going to get real personal. And he's going to use some strong evocative images trying to really give us the sense of urgency here. And the first thing he's going to say is that your tongue wants to run wild. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal, James writes. Horses are powerful beasts. I've ridden them, but they scare me to death. <laughs> and you know how I'm able to ride them is because they've been trained. And they can do amazing things when they're trained. And you know what makes that all possible? A tiny bit in their mouth. And now all of a sudden, the rider has authority and dominion over this massively strong and capable beast. And the analogy is of our tongue. So let me give you a couple tips, some practical thoughts on how to tame your tongue because it, runs, it wants to run wild. Number one, set and keep boundaries. There are certain people that you just cannot have a healthy conversation with, and you will have to set boundaries for that conversation. So someone will want to come up to you to blast somebody else. You might just have to say, you know what? You need to work on that between you and God, and then take that to that other person. Or, or maybe it's that person coming up to you to blast you. And you're like, you know, you always want to argue and fight. I don't want to do that. Number two, you need to ignore anonymous in a digital age. How many of you have been online and somebody just triggers you? So you feel like, well, I've got to comment. I've got to respond. I've got to get involved. But the thing is, many people on, online are just there to stir you up. So why get emotionally sucked in? I mean, who cares what chubby bunny 666 thinks of you? <laughs> it's probably somebody just at home in their pajamas with nothing else to do. Number three, sometimes it's good to unfollow. Like, you know what, that, that news source just triggers me. And I get all worked up and I'm emotionally responsible and that's all I can think about all day. Or those people on social media, or that particular trend, whatever it may be. 
And if it's going to emotionally upset you and instigate you and, and ignite you and cause you to do nothing but think about it all day and want to respond to it online, then maybe you better just walk away because some things are good to unfollow, unfriend, ignore. So let's move on in our text. James is going to use some other evocative images again to awaken a sense of urgency within us. He says, or take ships as an example. So he's talked about horses. Take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Again, these images are denoting a powerful possibility for good or evil that is directed by something so small. The bit in the horse of a mouth, the rudder of a large ship. In, in both cases, if it's not directed, it can cause incredible harm, even death. Painful things happen. All the energy is used then for devastation and not for good. I mean, think about it, how large a ship is and how small of a rudder that directs that ship. What happens if you lose the rudder? So James is saying some of you have built an incredible life. You've built a business. Don't let it go off course. You've got a, a great marriage. Don't let it go off course. You've got a great family. Don't let it go off course. So he's used the analogy of a horse. He's used the analogy of a, of a boat with a rudder. Now he moves on to a third thing for an analogy, and it's that of a wildfire. Here again, evocative images. And he says, the tongue wants to unleash hell. You'll hear that in just a moment. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Now, all right, this was 2,000 years ago. <laughs> this book is old. I'm still not sure it's relevant. I mean, do people brag? Is that still a thing? Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. How many of you have seen stories of wildfires on the news and you get this incredible picture of hundreds of structures destroyed, millions, maybe even billions of dollars spent on fighting the fire? Sometimes lives are lost and hundreds of thousands of acres are burned. And how do wildfires usually start? It only takes a small spark. And the next thing you know, it's huge devastation and destruction. This is exactly what's happening in our world. Every day, people wake up, turn on their phones, and we try to figure out who or what is on fire today. And every day, then it, it brings on rage and anger and fear. And so we got to respond and yell and blame. And then we wake up the next day and we do it all over again. Did you know that fake... Fake news travels six times faster than real news. And we get all emotional when we respond, and then we realize, oh, that wasn't even true. 
I just wasted all that time and energy. Think about the amount of time we spend unleashing hell on those in positions of leadership or authority, whether it's local, national, global. The Bible says we should be praying for politicians and those in authority. Instead, we're setting them on fire. Or how about this way of setting things on fire? Threatening, intimidating, demanding, yelling. It can be a parent who is overwhelming and intimidating a child. It can be a husband who is overwhelming and intimidating a wife. There's nothing wrong with passion, but when anger and hell are involved and activated, it is a lose-lose situation. And then there are those who, and we would say another wildfire is those who include false teaching, saying something that's not in the Bible, and that's certainly running rampant these days. Or saying things like, I'll never forgive you. We're never going to get through with this. I'm done with you. There's no hope for you. I tell you what, until we stand before Jesus, we just need to keep putting grace on people and let him figure it out at the end. Look, I know this can be a convicting word. It can also, I pray, be a healing word. Like, like how many of you, it's your parents that just set your family on fire? For how many of you, it was your grandparents that set your family on fire? For some of you, the fire is raging now. And you're getting other people involved. And you're going online. And now friends and family are involved. For how many of you, you're the arsonist? Sometimes you're the victim, but sometimes you're the arsonist. Sometimes you're like, you know what? I started it. And if I didn't start it, I showed up and I threw my log on the fire and I helped that wildfire spread. What James is saying is that every day the words that we speak are either inviting heaven down or they are pulling hell up. James is not trying to discourage us. He's trying to prepare us to live in the reality of this world. But he also has the example of his big brother, Jesus. So let me bring James's brother in. So Jesus is hanging on the cross to die for our sins as our Lord and Savior. And what are people doing around him? They are literally giving him hell. They're literally using their tongue to unleash hell on Jesus. Cursing him, yelling at him, name calling, mocking his family. They're giving him hell. And what does Jesus give them? Heaven. He puts grace on them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them? Yeah, forgive them. And then he dies to answer that prayer so that you and I can be forgiven. The point is this. When 
They give you hell, you've got to give them heaven. When they set it on fire, you've got to find a bucket of water. And this is the most difficult thing to do when we're really emotional, right? And it's in those times that you're really emotional that you're going to have to stop and say, okay, maybe I need to talk to him before I talk to them. Maybe, maybe I need to say nothing because if I say anything, it's going to be the wrong thing. I've got to go to him first. And then James closes with this. The Holy Spirit can transform your tongue. And that's the hope. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. I mean, you've tried that, right? still talking about the tongue is that it is a restless evil full of deadly poison it just stings people it poisons people it kills relationships with the tongue we praise our lord and father you know we sing the songs we pray the prayers hallelujah and with it we curse human beings who have been made in god's likeness we slander we trash them Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. All of these are communicating the same thing. And that is what happens out there exposes what's in here. So the first analogy he gives is that of a spring. So there's water in here. If I were to remove the cap and squeeze it, what comes out? Water. If anger comes out of you, what's in you? Anger. If defensiveness comes out of you, what's in you? Defensiveness. If bitterness comes out of you, what's in you? Bitterness. If anxiety comes out of you, if fear comes out of you, if control comes out of you, if death comes out of you, what's in you? Whatever comes out. And you see pressure and hardship and emotion, those things don't really change us. They expose us. They reveal us. And what he says is that we need to be consistent with what comes out of us. And so he puts it a different way. Different trees produce different kinds of fruit. A good tree bears good fruit. Quotes from Jesus. What he's saying is if there's something that's coming out of you that is not from the fruit of the Holy Spirit then there is something wrong in you that can only be changed and fixed by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. What he doesn't say, what James doesn't say, is just get it together, tame your tongue, because that's not possible. What he says is you can't tame your tongue, but God can. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's the fruit that comes out of a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit. 
A good tree bears good fruit. And so what he's saying is, you may sing songs, you may pray prayers, you may quote verses, but if what's coming out of you is not from him, then you need to be honest about who you are, invite the Holy Spirit in to change you so it'll change the words that come out of you. So maybe you need to go to God and say, Father, I'm apparently very angry. There's something not good in here. Father, I'm really fearful and anguish and, 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 and anxious, and, and man, it's just not going well. Father, I'm so worried about what everyone else thinks and says. I'm not being concerned about what you are saying. Lord, why am I such a people pleaser? I seem to have fear of, man, why is it that other people's opinions of me matter more than what you say about me? Father, I guess I'm a control freak. I, I just don't seem to believe that you have it in under your control, so I feel like I've got to do it. What happens in these moments when we see who we really are? We have two options. We can accept it, or we can accept it and then invite the Holy Spirit in to change it. Because what it seems like a lot of people are saying is, look, this is who I am. This is how I am. This is me. No, that's you before the Holy Spirit fixes you. And in those moments... It's literally stopping and inviting the Holy Spirit and saying, okay, what is coming out is not of the fruit of the Spirit. So I need to be listening more, speaking less. You know, be slow to anger. I mean, slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to anger. I need to be doing the James 1, 19 and 20. And this is what it sounds like. This is what a tame tongue sounds like. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's my fault. I'm sorry. Can we talk? I love you. I appreciate you. I'm praying for you. That's what the tamed tongue sounds like. Here's what's going to happen. Out there, the wildfire is going to continue to burn until every inch is, is consumed. But in here and in here, you can be a good tree that bears good fruit because you are children of God. If you're a Christian, you already have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can change you from the inside out. And what the redeemed tongue does then is incredible. I want to close with two word pictures, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. There's a guy in the Old Testament named Isaiah who's a prophet and a man of God. And one day in a vision, he gets invited into the throne room where he is in the presence of God in the unseen realm. And you know what? Isaiah felt like he was a pretty good guy until he got before the throne of God. 
And sometimes you don't know how unholy you are until you're in the presence of the Holy One. And his first response is, woe is me. I'm cursed, I'm doomed, I'm a dead man because I am a man of unclean lips and I come from a people of unclean lips. This is Isaiah 6. And then the angel takes a hot coal, brings it to Isaiah and it touches his lips. And the angel says, your sin is atoned for. You are forgiven. And then he goes on to preach and to write the entire book of Isaiah. The point is this, we are all people of unclean lips and we come from a people of unclean lips and the Holy Spirit wants to say, I want to purify that. I want to forgive that. I want to cleanse that. I want those lips to be anointed and appointed for things like prayer and worship and encouragement and blessing. The second picture is, is that that happens to the first believers recorded in Acts chapter 2. They were gathered together, much like we are right here. And the Holy Spirit came down. And he rests upon each of the people in tongues as of fire. And what that fire represented at that point in time was purifying And then what God is doing is that he is literally taking his tongue and he is using it to transform their tongues so that they would go out and sing the praises of Jesus and that they would pray and they would evangelize, that they would share scripture and bring truth to a world of lies and bring life to a world filled with death and bring hope to a world fear, full of fear and anxiety and bring reconciliation to a world full of devastation. And here we are 2,000 years later and the good news continues to go forth. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask ourselves, what is the Holy Spirit saying to me today? What is he saying to you? For what do you need to apologize to God? Is there someone to whom you need to say, let's talk about this. I'm sorry. I want to ask for your forgiveness. Is there someone specific that you have said some things to, maybe some things about, And you need to own it so that those are healed and those relationships can be restored. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.